Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 348. Uh, I'm not looking at our notes, but I'm sure it's still the pandemic. It uh, is pandemic 60. Nice round 60. number. Okay. We're, we're trucking along. I mean, I just read that California might be like almost reaching herd immunity by June. That's great news. Like people are getting vaxxed. That seems good. The world is turning itself around. People are going to the movie theaters. People who listen to this show, I saw, have gone to the movie theaters because I follow some of you. The privileged few who I follow on Twitter. Have I think said I'm going to the movies movie. next week. I think I made a plan to go see. What are you going to see? I don't know, maybe the Guy Ritchie thing? I don't know. Maybe Nomad No. Land. Wait. Wow. I, we're not going to have time to review that movie in this episode, <laughs> but Wrath of Man sucks. Okay. It's like, mate, so it would be Nomad Land. Let me correct myself. It doesn't suck. It's just a bad time at the movies. It's like. The, no uh, fun, no man of uncle, no Guy Ritchie being silly, just like him trying to do Denis Villeneuve. It's like... You know the, the episode stiff. we're about to introduce is like close to two hours long, right? Okay, Katie. You make a really good point. What are we doing on this episode? And why <laughs> haven't we started the podcast like we normally do with funny honking noises and a lightning round the, and no David? Because it's the best podcast ever. No, I'm just kidding. David's going to be on the podcast in a second here. Um, because we got no reviews, and here comes Star Wars <laughs> Galaxy of Heroes for an hour and a half. If people haven't noticed, we've been doing slightly better in planning our episodes and picking things and watching all the things. And this week, it was my turn to kind of program the podcast. And people asked me in the lead up to do trivia. Patches Matches is back. Um, except that's so much work. I really just didn't want to do a very bad job that I usually do at trivia. My trivia tends to be extremely esoteric based on things that I'm reading on Wikipedia or Box Office Mojo and really like trying to stump you with factoids. Um, I'm not good at putting trivia together, but I was thinking, who is good at putting trivia together? And I actually listened to a great podcast. It's called Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. They do pub-style trivia. It's the best kind of podcast i found to, to do this sort of format, which is like the hosts, Annie and David, are wonderful people. They have the perfect amount of banter to question asking ratio. This is important for me. Not too much talking like on this podcast, just the right amount of talking um, and the right amount of questions and hard questions, like the, the perfect difficulty questions that makes you think, but the show keeps going around. I'm like, what if we could be on Quiz Quiz Bang Bang? It would be a dream come true. And uh, the perfect thing is that Quiz Quiz Bang Bang wanted us to be on their podcast. I emailed them and they said, yes, we would love to have Fighting in the Worm on Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. Bless them. So good news. We're doing an episode of Quiz Quiz Bang Bang this week. We're going to do it in the style of uh, Annie and David's show, which is really exciting. We're going to completely hand over Fighting in the War Room to them. Uh, they are doing an amazing uh, charity event for UNICEF uh, coming up later in May. So this is perfectly time to help them kind of push that message. I would encourage everybody to, one, go follow uh, Quiz Quiz Bang Bang on the podcast app of choice because their episodes are great too. Every so often they do team episodes. So, it, you know, pushing ourselves on them actually made sense for their programming too. This wasn't just a hostile effort where we took them hostage and demanded they ask us trivia questions. No, this was this was on purpose. The, our uh, episode will run on their feed eventually too. So you won't have to double back, but you should subscribe to their podcast and you should go check out their event they're doing later in May, which is this 24 hour trivia event on Twitch. You can win prizes. You can raise money to help get vaccines out there in the world. It's so awesome. Uh, and I'm really, really excited for uh, all of four of us to be on quiz, quiz, bang, bang. It's going to be me and Katie 
versus Dave and David. Guys, any uh, any thoughts on how it'll go, or you think you'll win or lose? I mean, I am usually <laughs> very bad at trivia, but I am writing a book about Marvel, so you would think you're you know, really if good at some Marvel. superhero questions. If there's some mean, superhero questions, you would think I would have them on the tip of my mind. I would say if they ask <laughs> that you would... about a Marvel character, you will get that question right. <laughs> I feel like that's safe. Like, I think I know everything about all Marvel characters. Whereas classic film, that's going to be a little more challenging. I mean, I'm not good at classic film at all. I'm, and, you know, I, you know, it's, I, I'm a, I was a sheltered little boy who was, you know, like, like aware of movies in the mid nineties, but like really didn't get into pornography until right, the internet kind of came around. Let's keep so that all like, in mind. Yeah, it's it's, it's important. Uh, well, as Katie noted to me before we started recording this intro, the podcast you're about to listen to is like two hours long. So without further ado, uh, let's give it to Annie and David to take over Fighting in the War Room this week and give us Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. Hello, everybody. Before we get to your podcast episode, a quick announcement from the hosts of Quiz Quiz Bang Bang, Triviality, Trivia Time Podcast, and TV Trivia Pod. I'm Brian, host of TV Trivia Pod. I'm Annie. I'm David from Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. I'm Kelly, host of Trivia Time Podcast with our quiz master, Ricky Lime. Hi there. And I'm Neil from Triviality. Our podcast will be coming together along with many others for a 24-hour trivia extravaganza fundraiser to raise money for the UNICEF vaccine rollout. Starting on Friday, May 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And it's going to be on Twitch, which you can join for free. And it's twitch.tv slash quizbangpod. 100% of the donations will be going to UNICEF. Woohoo! Come join us for a fun-filled extravaganza and win prizes like tickets to a virtual Sporkle game or Sporkle trivia hunt and the chance to be crowned the winning team who will get to perform on one of these podcasts along with getting some cool swag. More information can be found at quizbangpod.com slash UNICEF, our Facebook pages, as well as in the show notes. We will see you all then. And now, back to the show. Oh, wow. That's gold. So good. <laughs> That's how you do it. So I, I'd go to that event. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to Quiz Quiz Bang Bang, the pub quiz practice show that hits you pow! All right, in the quizzer. I'm David Flora. And I'm Annie Flora, and we're here to teach you more about trivia than Peter Sellers can do voices and accents. Woo! He can do so many. Look out. Did you hear that he's like, I'm just a hollow man, I have no voice of my own. He was the original Kevin Bacon. <laughs> he was. <laughs> a role he's best known for. That's right. The hollow man. David, do you know why I'm bringing up Peter Sellers? Uh, no. Because we're super excited about oh. our guests today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the same thought. That was the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> we're excited. When we get excited, we bring up Peter Sellers. <laughs> it's true. So, super duper excited because we have fighting in the war room with us. Woo! Ow, ow, ow. Cheers! Hey, it's us. <laughs> we have Matt, Katie, Dave, and David. Uh, why don't we go around the room? You guys introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit about fighting in the war room. Let's start with Matt. 
Yeah, I'm Matt Patches, one of the co-hosts of the Fighting in the War Room podcast. Man, we've been doing this for a long, 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 long time, and I don't think I've introduced myself that way in eons. Um, I'm also a uh, senior editor over at Polygon.com, if you've heard of that, writing about movies and culture and that sort of thing. Also, I produce another podcast, which I should really plug, called Galaxy Brains, hosted by Jonah Ray of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and writer Dave Schilling. And that's really fun. But yeah, we've Your been doing Fighting in War Room. good. I got to plug, I got to plug radio voice when I'm on and not in our typical episodes when I'm hauling back whiskey and uh, just slurring my way through movie chat. I'm Matt Patches. How are you guys doing? Yeah, it's a good sign for my trivia abilities that when you started talking about Peter Sellers, Andy, I was not totally sure why that was relevant. Um, that's how long we've been doing fighting in the war room. Why is she bringing you, him up? Yeah, you, you yeah. have transcended the, the meme. <laughs> Dave, how about you? I'm throwing to Dave. Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Fighting in the War Room podcast. And I'm one of the co-hosts of the Storm, a Lost Rewatch podcast that is rewatching the ABC series Lost. And we're up to the sixth season. It's, uh, it's fun. Nice. Podcast or Lost? Uh, both. 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 Yeah. Fair. Um, I'm Katie Rich. I'm also one of the co-hosts of the Fighting in the War Room podcast. Um, I'm an editor at Vanity Fair, and I'm on a podcast there called Little Gold Men, which is about the Oscars and Emmys, and I'm really worried that you guys are going to throw some Oscars questions in, and I'm going to get them wrong, because I'm supposed to know that, but like somehow I don't. (laughs) And I want to throw to David and embarrass him by bringing up his uh, hardcore (laughs) trivia nerd past that may or may not serve him well in this game. That's true. I mean, no one ever claimed that I was a valuable member to that film trivia team, but I, I, I am David and Ehrlich, uh, it will shock everyone to learn that I am also a co-host of the Fighting in the War Room podcast. Oh, I knew uh, I knew you from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> from uh, those weekly Zoom chats we've had. Well, actually, well, we've always darted over, over Zoom or Zoom equipment. We've been on Skype for, yeah, been for, uh, this for a long time. Yes, over the last decade. Uh, I am the senior film critic over at IndieWire. I belong to no other podcasts because I am loyal <laughs> that, that's why, uh, and that, that's and the only I'm reason. Here to fuck shit up, right, Dave? Yeah, woo! Right off the bat with the cussing. There we go. <laughs> Family show. Seal is broken. Uh, so, what were you going to say, Anna? You 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 mentioned speaking oh, was, of the Oscars. I was just going to say speaking. Well, not of the Oscars, but the questions. Um, <laughs> Matt did email us. Thank you, Matt, for setting this all up. Uh, yeah. We're very excited. I'm pumped. He said that you guys were all very smart and very good and knew a lot about movies. This whole episode, by the way, listeners, is just going to be film trivia. And to make the questions real hard. Oh, no. 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 I, said, I said real hard. <laughs> That's just That's just mortifying. Oh, boy. So if it goes poorly. <laughs> we were definitely worried we were going to, like, not know, like, international capitals and look just, like, generally stupid. But if we don't know film trivia, that's hard. Maybe it will help us be less embarrassed it, a little it's bit. It's hard to say which one would be more embarrassing <laughs> for us. Yeah. 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 But either way, we will be so uh today we have matt and katie uh on a team uh what is your guys team name katie uh we are we're reviving the old name of our podcast that was uh defunct as of 2013 we are operation kino excellent we're back that's right we're at the game table a name with history put your cards on your forehead And David and Dave, you guys are... We decided to go a more hostile route. Uh, <laughs> and in honor of Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things, 
we are called We're Thinking of Ending Cadian Patches. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Direct. <laughs> I think the, the worst I'm doing in trivia, like the more I'm losing or in anything, the more trash talking I enjoy. Cause yeah. It's like, oh, well... I deserve to trash talk because it's the only enjoyment I will get out of this, and I'm obviously going to lose. <laughs> yep. See, it's easy to trash talk before the game yeah, starts. Yeah, I'll be trash talking like Leo DiCaprio in The Revenant, just crawling through the dirt and mud with broken bones, just screaming on my lungs. So we'll see <laughs> how it goes. And David and Dave will be the bear upon you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> As they often are. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> With that all set up, let's find out how the show works and get started. Quiz Quiz Bang Bang is comprised of four rounds of four questions each, followed by the answers. After round two, we'll ask a quickfire bang bang question, where you'll have a time limit to give multiple answers. After the fourth round, the show culminates with the Big Bang, a final round with three questions whose answers are all clues to one final question. For today's match, regular answers are worth 10 points each, bang-bang answers are 2 points each, and teams can wager as many accumulated points as they want for the Big Bang. All right, here we go. Round one, question one. What 1927 silent film that was directed by Fritz Lang was considered to be one of the first feature-length science fiction movies and had the final intertitle message read the mediator between the head and the hands must be the heart what is all set <laughs> <laughs> I, I think katie and i are i think, I think, are feeling I think we're good know about what we're doing. this one um unless there's secret Fritz Lang sci-fi movies? Did he do uh, Jupiter Ascending or anything like that? <laughs> there were some of his movies that were lost to time. So you say that. There probably are some secret ones, but I feel like this isn't yeah, one of them. Yeah, the original Jupiter Ascending, I think. Just, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, at least an 80 of them. Does M have any loopers in it? Uh, I think we have an answer. Katie? Yes. We have gone with Metropolis. All right. And David and Dave? Uh, we have also gone with Metropolis. And the correct answer is Jupiter Ascending. That is Metropolis. Very well yes, done, well everyone. Done. There's definitely a second where I was like, wait, it's not Metropolitan. That's a different thing. Oh, I, had to, <laughs> I really <laughs> psyched myself. I would love to see that. Where you're just drinking champagne with high-end Manhattanite robots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Question two. Who does Martin Freeman play in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, I will just say, as people are thinking, Dave is writing a book about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is that right, Dave? <laughs> no pressure, bro. While you're saying that, that Dave is currently struggling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am only doing this to needle him. If you guys want to hear how messed up it is that a CIA agent helps a black liberated nation uh, free itself from <laughs> its own insurgents and want to connect that to, like, say, Iran, then yeah, we're in business. But, like, what's his character name? He's, he's like Bilbo. Like, it's CIA agent Bilbo. <laughs> <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe is really not known for its good character names. Like, unless you are, like, Spider-Man, it's it's bad. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're all set with our incorrect answer. Mm -hmm. All right, David and Dave, what are you thinking? 
I'm thinking this is probably an agent who uh, at one point appeared in the background <laughs> of a comic book. Uh, but outside of that, really, my mind is just like, oh, that Agent Bilbo joke was really good. David, you want to make a guess? <laughs> it was solid. It was very solid. You didn't even have a guess? No, I want to say I want to, I want to say his first name's Mark, but that sounds wrong when I say it out loud. Just go with Mark. Yeah, Agent Mark. Mark. I can see him. I can see him so far. Like that little thing. A little yeah, he gets a fly plane. Thing. He's also in Civil War, I believe. In the, yes. In the two-way mirror. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, J- John Breeders. <laughs> John, his middle name is Mark Breeders. Yeah. 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 John, Mark John Breeders. Breeders. Um, <laughs> Katie and I are going to go with Arthur Fleck. Is that a, uh, that's that's a, a reference to something else? Yes, that is a yes, reference to is. Joker. Hello. Oh, boy. <laughs> Classic Joker reference. And the correct answer is Everett Ross. Everett yeah, Ross. See? We were, I, I think, officially close. Wait, Everett Ross? <laughs> Is he related to William Hurt's character? No. Captain Ross? Thunderbolt? No. Thunderbolt yeah, Ross? Yeah, that's some bullshit. There's two Rosses? Not related to, mm. but they do both work for the government. The, the ultimate way of being related. Two Rosses in the MCU, really. Just seems like a waste. There's so many last name possibilities. You go Ross twice? Okay. I mean, but they keep casting people named Chris, so really how much range is there? <laughs> Touche. I'm very proud of us that we all got the silent cinema question right, and we all got yeah, the I know. Question wrong. Good precedent to be setting for everyone but me. Proud. <laughs> all right, question three. What woman songwriter holds the record for the most nominations without an Oscar win for best song with hits like Because You Loved Me, How Do I Live, and then in parentheses, Without You, and There You'll Be. We're, we're all set because this yeah, is the saddest, yeah. saddest <laughs> tr- thing that we all know. <laughs> I, I wish I didn't know the answer to this question. Oh. I wish it weren't true. I wish she weren't my personal nemesis. Every but year. I'm afraid that she is. David and Dave, you go first. Why is she your personal nemesis and who are you talking about? Uh, We are talking about one Diane Warren, who over the last several years has written the most garbage songs purely for the purposes of winning this award that she will at this rate. Not purely for the purposes of winning the award. She gets paid. Right. (laughs) She is hired to write them for the purpose of winning. For people who want to win awards. Yes. The Academy needs to pass a bylaw where she is no longer eligible. Maybe (laughs) kick down uh, a future lifetime achievement award, you know, dangling that over her for the future. Well, because the tragedy is that those those songs that you name checked are like stone cold classics and Absolutely. then she stopped getting nominated for like 10 years and now she comes back and every single year gets nominated for a she, song that's more she nominated this year like yeah Wild she was nominated Rose for that song from um from, from the sophia loren movie in, in italian yeah, that it classic win. netflix original mm-hmm. film <laughs> that everyone saw <laughs> that everyone streamed uh wait what are we going with katie we also picked diane warren <laughs> yeah. she, she's not my nemesis sure i'm rooting for her sure to final yeah. i'm rooting yeah. for it was her a very compelling case that david made I guess she's been uh, rejected for 33 years now, so it's mm. a long time. And with good cause. <laughs> <laughs> with that question, we have a question for a little bit of a follow-up question because I got a kick out of this. What 1998 movie had the song, How Do I Live Without You, performed by Trisha Yearwood in it? 98. It's going to be... I think it lost to Titanic. Mm-hmm. Rightly. 
Yeah, yeah, correctly. It seems like it would be like more of a more romancy sort of thing. What you won't imagine. The answer that Dave and I are cooking up is not in that direction, and I'm worried about it. <laughs> we're we're all, all right, set. Well, we're, we're, we're all set. All right, David and Dave, talk talk about what what you're throwing out there. The first thing that came to mind, uh, just because I'm picturing Nicolas Cage's beautiful locks billowing in the wind as he tries to make his way home from prison to see his baby girl, uh, was Con Air. Um, but I believe that actually Con Air came out in 1997, which is filling me with all sorts of doubt. And Dave, I don't think we had any other guesses. Uh, but this is one of those that I'm really going to be kicking myself for because it's right, it's right there. Oh, what else happened in 1998? Not Titanic, not Goodwill Hunting. Well, <laughs> hang on. She Love. said it lost to Titanic, so maybe it's the 98 Oscars from movies oh, that came out in 97. It's 98 Oscars. Who are you? Help? Why are you helping? <laughs> no, I was just Googling it. All right. So. In that case, we got to go with Conair. <laughs> All right, you guys are going with Conair. Sorry about that. Yeah, I was just like, ooh, let me look up the year. But uh, yeah, 1998 Oscars, 1997 film. Ooh. Katie and Matt, what are you thinking? Katie. We also went with Con Air. Oh. It is Con Air. Yay. And I loved it. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the 90s, every movie had to have a power ballad. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't Steve Buscemi sing it at the end for that child? <laughs> <laughs> he sings, uh, I got the, he's got the whole world in his hand. Oh, <laughs> he was also Oscar nominated for that. Yeah. But watching the uh, the music video that smashes that song up with Con Air is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I should watch that. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty moving stuff, not going to lie. <laughs> All right, that's the end of round one. David, what are the scores? Operation Kino has 30 points. And Woo. we are thinking of ending Kitty and Patches has 30 points. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. You know what? I'm in favor of a tie. Curse you ever cross. <laughs> <laughs> now you'll never forget it, though. You'll always yeah. know that That's name. True. I've already forgotten. I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> that question again right now. Like, Fuck. The Hobbit trilogy starring Edward Ross. Everett Ross. <laughs> Everett. <laughs> <laughs> no, I already forgot. Does he have scissor hands? round two question five what was the first pixar movie to receive a rating higher than g in the united states okay all right we're all set we're all set i think unless no no okay we'll go with yours tell us what you're thinking david we're all set we're ready for your answers you did say the magic words you locked in your votes Ryan Seacrest has cut off the line. That's right. No more calls. <laughs> so my first thought was The Incredibles, for obvious reasons, tonally, mm. uh, in terms of content. Uh, it is scaled to a slightly older audience than Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Bugs Life, et al. Dave suggested it could potentially be Toy Story 2. I'm thinking about it. I, no, 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 no. I don't no. know what in Toy Story 2 would warrant uh, yeah, I know. No, no, also, I, Wayne Knight in a chicken suit. Toy Story Two has that John Lasseter uh, type character, the old prospector who, hu- yeah, who yeah, hu- yeah, loves yeah. hugging people and stuff. So you know, yeah, yeah. That, it was going to be uh, NC seventeen. I'm going to go with you uh, on Incredibles there because I think you're right. It's superhero violence, which would be the thing that would bump it up more. Than... Had Bugs Life really committed to the the Seven Samurai of it all, they really could have leaned into at least. A PG rating, but alas, they did not. So we'll go with the Incredibles. 
Alrighty, and Operation Kino, what are you guys thinking? We're also going to go with The Incredibles. We went with The Incredibles. <laughs> I know. We need to be more different. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or if we're like both right, then it's just going to like come down to a showdown. I did wonder if it was Toy Story 3, but that movie should have been rated PG-13, to be quite honest. That's freaky. Oh. Yeah, that's the one where they send them to hell. Trash compactor. That's what my mind went to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for action violence, it received a PG rating. It was The Incredibles. Not just for Randy and philosophy. All right. All right. You guys should do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys this is 10 years of just like hive mind knowledge coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Question six. What 1953 movie is said to have reignited Frank Sinatra's career? The title of the film is said to come from a Rudyard Kipling poem, Gentlemen Rankers, about soldiers who have lost their way. Okay, I think we're locked. We are, we're all set. It's crazy that Frank Sinatra's career was being revived in 1953 when he was famous for like Ever. 40 more years after that. <laughs> What would you? What you, you just typed? Which one is better than Soldier? What does that mean? Oh yeah, because it's a Kipling poem, right? That it comes yeah, yeah. from. So it's like, do is the title from here to eternity better for a Soldier poem, or is the best years of our lives? The best years of our. I mean, the best years of our lives is about is about these wayward soldiers coming home and trying to pick up the pieces of their lives. From here to eternity is just about. You know. I'm just saying in terms of like a phrase that you would see in a in a Kipling poem about a soldier. I want to go from here to eternity. I think it's the bigger the bigger movie. No, but mm, yeah, I mean it was the bigger movie probably. You're not uh, homing in on my uh, Manchurian Candidate answer, are you, Dave? Let me give you my only bit of secret intel. Okay, which is that Katie Rich, who is very sure of her answer here, I'm guessing because she and Patches came to it right away has recently watched The Best Years of Our Lives. Made a big deal about it. Wow, you're using meta context to figure this out. This is not trivia. This is sleuthing. I do not believe that she would arrive at this answer with the same speed and confidence if it were from here to I'm eternity. just saying, if we're talking Frank Sinatra movies, I don't even know I, I would say The Best Years of Our Lives if I were just listing off Frank Sinatra movies. What about movies? Ocean's Eleven, you know, where the, uh, wow. the 11 soldiers came <laughs> yeah, back yeah, and... Yeah. Uh, that, would definitely, that would definitely be in there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you go you go for it, man. I'm going to give it over to you. I'm going to go for it only because I can't let you double shame us after the Marvel debacle. Yeah, yeah. Let me redeem myself with my being right and you pick the other one. I like this. Okay. All right. We're going to go with the best years of our lives. I have a few things to say here. <laughs> snaps! Snaps! <laughs> The Best Years of Our Lives is remarkable as a World War II movie because it came out in 1945. It was immediately uh, after the war. And, um, is Frank Sinatra even in no, it? No, he is not. Uh, <laughs> but he is, in the, he is in From Here to Eternity, which was our answer. Oh, yes! <laughs> Frank Sinatra won Best no. Supporting Actor for From Here to Eternity. And in the poem, it's actually, they're damned from here wow. to eternity. The word damned is missing. That year, that war was the best years of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the title of the best years of our lives is ironic, but okay. We were the Ocean's Eleven <laughs> coming back home. I was going to say my problems were twofold. One is that when I think of From Here to Eternity, I just think of them kissing on the beach. Yeah. Um, Which is not Frank Sinatra. Two... Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, even though I have seen and love the best years of our lives many more times than I have, uh, and with greater fervor than I do the much lesser 
Computer eternity. <laughs> for some reason, I'm going to blame it on my toddler. Uh, I went into a total brain It fog. would make sense for him to be in the best years of our lives. I can my see. My toddler? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah your toddler, certainly. <laughs> yeah, no, so I, I also really just wanted to redeem my close friend and podcast uh, trivia mate, Dave. So... Um, That's kind of you. Yeah, yeah, a sacrifice. I had an answer. We didn't pick it, but I had an answer. (laughs) Moving on to question seven. Which two Harry Potter actors have also played villains in the Hannibal Lecter series? We got it. What the? What? Patches. Yeah. We got it. We got it, buddy. All right. Boy. It's not Hobbit actors, in which case we would have to include <laughs> Hannibal, so don't worry about it. Everett Ross is off the table here. Okay. Yeah, the, an- the answers are Hannibal Ross. Is Martin Freeman on Hannibal? No, no, but uh, what Armitage is. Okay, hang on. I'm getting off track. Okay, let's name the Hannibal movies. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Anthony Hopkins is not in a Harry Potter movie, and I don't think the guy who plays Buffalo Bill is in a Harry Potter movie. Uh, then there's Red Dragon. But that wasn't the second one. Which the second is, one was... Well, there's Manhunter, too. What was the one with Julianne Moore? One. Where she... Uh, that's ha- Hannibal. Yeah, that's what I thought. I Hannibal. feel like Brian Cox might be in that one. Is Brian Cox in a Harry Potter movie? No. What's he a- plays Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Gleeson. Maybe Brendan Gleeson. Now, let's not forget Hannibal Rising, that prequel they made that... Like Ben Wishaw was in, maybe? I don't even remember. Yeah, I have not a clue who's in that movie. I've Does never Man seen Hunter Hannibal Rising. Count? Uh, I would imagine Manhunter counts, but who's in Manhunter? William Peterson, but he's not the villain. Is that the one that Brian Cox is in? Actually, yes, that is the one Brian Cox is in. That's where he plays Hannibal. Is Brian Cox in a Harry Potter movie? No. We're thinking about Brendan Gleeson. It seems like he could be. How are this? This should be the... (laughs) Brian Cox could also have been in a Harry Potter. There's a billion people in those movies. Brian Cox is... He's he's the bad guy in X2, not in... You don't think he plays fucking like Robert Pattinson's dad or something? No, but he should. That would have been great. Can we go back (laughs) and edit that in? Boy, look what they've done to my boy. That's that's season three of Succession, actually. Norton is the villain in Red Dragon, right? Or is he the Edward cop? Norton is no, definitely he's the not. Who has he's the definitely tattoo? not in a Harry Potter. Oh wait, oh Ralph, Ray Fiennes is in oh, Red Dragon. That's so a Ray good one. Fiennes. Okay. All right, and, uh, Ray Fiennes. Who does he play in Harry Potter? I don't know. Harry Potter. I Harry think. Harry Potter come to die. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter come to die. <laughs> He plays Voldemort. <laughs> Who else is in the Harry Potter movies? I'm going to make us say Brian Cox unless you can think of anyone. Because that's fine. Do it. Ray Fiennes and Brian Cox. Lock it in. Painful arrival. Oh, All right. Oh, that feels so good. Yes. <laughs> oh. At least we got one. What'd you guys have? Uh, we have Ray Fiennes, of course. And Dave, would you like to read the Good other? old serious black Gary Oldman who played Mason Verger in Hannibal. Ah! <laughs> Correct answer is Ray Fiennes played Francis... Dollarhide in Red Dragon, and Gary Oldman was Mason Virgin. Stop talking about names. I, the only thing I remember about Hannibal is that scene from the trailer where Hannibal is standing on a carousel and brushes Julianne Moore's hair ever so gracefully, like a creep. Patches, do you really anyone listening to this? Actually, don't do this if you're listening. Only Patches do this. Google Gary Oldman in Hannibal. <laughs> Just Google image that for your own amusement. Makeup job. Oh, yeah. It is, it is not surprising you guys did not notice that was Gary Oldman. I remember that character from the Hannibal TV show. You only see him in full Gary Oldman face in a stroby flashback scene where he cuts his own face off. And somehow he looks younger than Gary Oldman and Mank. I, it's amazing what they can do. Because <laughs> he cut off all the wrinkles. That's right. <laughs> Question eight. 
What 1994 indie film is said to be the first film to spend more on obtaining rights to the soundtrack than all other production costs? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of consternation on this one. Was that 94, David? I don't think it is. What year do you think it was? <laughs> I, I, told, I told you. Oh, what year do I think Dazed and Confused yeah. was? No, don't give them ideas. Yeah, I think it was. We're, like, we're, 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 we're all set. We're all set. Yeah, I think we're. I no, think we're yeah, good. I mean, I I don't think Daisy Confused is ninety four. I think I think your guess uh, was probably mine. Is the only soundtrack right. album I remember walking into a CD store, which is a place they used to sell plastic which, which with one? music on it. CD now or. No, wait, is that a, uh, that's a website. Power Records. No, it might have been Sound like Power Records. Oh. It was on Pearl Street in Boulder, and there was this large display of Uma Thurman advertising the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, and that's definitely a 94 independent film. So if I had to guess, it would be Pulp Fiction. That's how you became cooler than I was, because I had the Forrest Gump soundtrack in 1994. <laughs> I had the Grease soundtrack, so I don't know if I'm cool. I don't think I bought it. I think I might have bought, like, uh, you know, like a crazy, sexy, cool or something. So it's, <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> David, unless you want to go dazed and confused. Once again, I will let you I will let you put your ass out there if you want. <laughs> dazed and Confused was definitely later than 1994. Did spend a lot of money on soundtrack stuff. Days of Confusion was later than 1994. Not to cast doubt, I'm not being insidious here. No, it was. It must have been a little, a little later because. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I don't have a good enough counter answer. And Pulp Everybody loves Clerks' original soundtrack. Boy. Yeah, and Pulp Fiction is Natural Born Killers. Is that ninety four? That's that doesn't have a soundtrack that's worth writing home about. They wouldn't. Has some good nine inch nails. I think. Snoochie boochies, David. Yeah, we'll go with Pulp Fiction. Going with Pulp Fiction. Matt and Katie, what do you guys think? We're gonna go with Pulp Fiction. I considered Clerks too. An all drink for Pulp Fiction. The answer is. Clerks. Whoa! No! <laughs> oh, because they spent so little on the movie, they spent a little bit on oh licensing. Yeah. What is the music in Clerks? Doesn't matter. The movie costs so little. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was the trick of the question. Like $27,000, and the soundtrack costs like $28,000. It is, wow. when you think about it, a very clever question, because if, we had, if that had been true of Pulp Fiction, we would all... It would be lore. We would all know that off the top of our heads without having to think about it. And... I mean, how cheap could that movie have been for that to be possible for him to get those, like, 60s surf wave tunes? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it was a great soundtrack. Though. I actually thought Clerks was earlier. That was what threw me off there because I thought that was, like, right on the cusp of the 90s. I knew Clerks was the same year. Oh, yeah. damn. Well, it wasn't it doing, like, a, it did the festival circuit in, like, 93 and stuff. So it just, we didn't get to see it. We... Yeah, the we being people. young people. We didn't get, <laughs> Me being in elementary school. <laughs> Look, Give Clerks, us you can, Clerks, Clerks, we said in 1993. We demanded it. Max out your credit cards if you're Kevin Smith and White and Sis and Male and get away with it. The only good thing about Clerks is that it paved the way for Clerks the Animated Series. (laughs) Clerks the Animated Series is pretty good. All right, Annie, that'll do it for the first half. Wow. So coming out of the first two rounds, what are our scores? (laughs) Operation Kino has 50 points. And we're thinking of ending Katie and Patches (laughs) has 50 points. Whoa! Oh my god. Yeah, we're back and forth there. We're 
We're ping ponging. Barn is officially on fire. Yeah. yeah. You guys better grab the horses. The portrait um, of the lady <laughs> is on fire. Both our coaches are in our locker rooms giving the same speech about how we have to leave it all on the field. <laughs> That's right. Leave it all on Zoom, you guys. <laughs> at least we stopped getting the same ones right and wrong. It's at least some, somewhat more interesting to listen to. <laughs> I hope. We're putting on a show. <laughs> We have now reached the halfway point, which means it's time for the bang-bang round. We will have Operation Kino leave the room. Operation Kino has left the room. Where, where are they? They're in space. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's impressive. No one can hear you podcast in space. <laughs> All right, guys. Here we go. You will have 45 seconds to answer the following question. There are nine directors whose film have won Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay, Original or Adapted, for the same film. Who are they? Your time starts now. Uh, one is Chloe Jaw. Oh, uh, yeah, that's new. Good one. Uh Best screenplay, best director. One is Silence of the Lambs. Um, one is It Happened One Night. One is... Uh, <laughs> Looking for director names. Robert, sorry, sorry. Uh, Frank Capra, uh, Jonathan Demi. One has got to be... Um, it was best screenplay, best director, and best picture. One is Peter Jackson. Uh, uh, who directed um, Cuckoo's Nest? Milos Forman. Uh, That's another... <laughs> Uh, one is best director, best screenplay. Bon, did Bong Joon Ho do that for Parasite? Yeah, say, let's say Parasite uh, out loud. There's no reason not to yeah. say it out loud. Yeah, Bong Joon Ho. One oh, that's time. is got a. Okay. <laughs> they was like, "Get him off!" I was like, yeah, "What's yeah. happening?" They'll keep, they'll keep going. <laughs> I just got so caught up. It's so exciting. <laughs> what do we, have? we have like five. We will now have Operation Kino return. Operation Kino has returned. Welcome back, guys. I'm back. Wow, that really worked. How was space? <laughs> you were in space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. We, we came back gravity style. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, Twitter was there. I really should have uh, rethought my time in space. <laughs> All right, here we go. You will have 45 seconds to answer the following question. There are nine directors whose film have won Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay, original or adapted, for the same film. Who are they? Your time starts now. The directors? Yes. Yes. Is that Bong Joon-ho? Bong Joon-ho for Parasite? Just, just yell. For screenplay? Steven Spielberg. Bong Joon-ho, uh, Parasite? Is that right? No? Uh, oh, okay. I don't know, eventually... Um, they're not going to tell us. You just have to say things. Um, For writing. Uh, Clint Eastwood. Martin Scorsese. Um, John Ford. Billy Who's Wilder. William Wyler. Um, Who wins awards? I don't know. Name people. <laughs> uh, Amadeus. Or uh, Malus Foreman. Um, Catherine no, wait, Bigelow. That would, well, that could win the screenplay. Um... And that's time. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was fascinating. <laughs> Holy <Katie> shit. <laughs> Taking the... Yeah, just yeah. a shotgun approach. <laughs> just named the fucking directors. <laughs> no, that was great. I was, I was the one flailing. What course. else are you supposed to do? 
Because if you start going one by one, you're like, well, Nomadland didn't win a screenplay. <laughs> well, if you start by one by one, you're actually just trying to do justice to the art form that they've created. Yeah, and the history of it all. No, you would hate to do that. <laughs> then you, then you, spend all, then you spend your 45 seconds in the last three years. Malice Foreman. I think Bong Joon-ho was right. <laughs> Ma- I said Milos Foreman. Milos. I'm sorry, I'm mayor from East Town. I have an accent. <laughs> it's not my fault. Water. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, the nine directors whose film have won Best Picture, Director, and Screenplay for the same film are Billy Wilder for The Apartment, Leo McCary for Going My Way, Francis Ford Coppola for oh, the, grand, uh, the, grand father, <laughs> the Grandfather, for, for the Grandfather <laughs> Clock that he sold the grandfather. Uh, for The Godfather Part Two, James L. Brooks. For Terms of Endearment, mm. Joel and Ethan Cohen, No Country for Old Men, <laughs> Alejandro Iñárritu for Birdman. Same recent. I should have got Birdman. Damn. Peter Jackson for wow. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. <laughs> we got that one. And Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Hey, Parasite! <laughs> There you go, Patches. You, sp- you spent 20 seconds on Parasite, but you got it. I points for screaming it so many times. <laughs> of course Chloe Jaw didn't win this screen. That's right. Yeah. That was the first thing. That was a, that was I'm, a I'm defeat. I can't believe I didn't get Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, each spending all year writing about Lord of the Rings. Got two correct for a total of wow. four points each, so we remain locked. Wow, guys. <laughs> Which ones did you guys get? We got, they got, uh, yeah, we got, we got Peter Jackson and Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. But Sorry, I, the question was hard because it was. I guess the directors needed credit for the screenplay. I was just thinking about people who directed movies that won Best Picture. Well, no, because one, no. one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, one won got all screenplay. The major no. so one, yeah, and one flew over the cuckoo's yeah, nest. Yeah, Coppola won didn't write the Godfather. It's just directors who made the movies. That's not screenplay. It's a big four. Oh. It's, it's yeah, but it's not screenplay. A uh, picture. Yeah. Um. What's the other one? Director. Yeah. Di- yeah. Yeah. So not screenplay. Yeah. You've broken David's brain. <laughs> Congrats. This is, a, this is a success. This is wrong. Blame IMDb. <laughs> no, I think, no, no, I think you guys are right. Well, one floor of the this is very right. Best Adapted Screenplay. Bold Goldman and uh, the other guy. <laughs> M- Milos Forman? Well, yes. see, the, the, the nice thing... Milos no, Forman? Not... The nice thing is we both said that name, so even if we yeah, are right and IMDb yeah, is We're so still tied. We're just fighting about semantics Back check point. later, but yeah. there's no points. Yeah, I did nope. fact check it to make sure that these movies won the awards. I didn't check every movie to see if they also won these awards, so it's only uh, half fact checked, I, I guess. Mean, it's... <laughs> she only made it to 1942, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What I what I love about Quiz Quiz Bang Bang is whatever the questions are, you still get more trivia after the answers yeah. come out. That's, That's right. why this is a great podcast. That's why everyone should listen to it. You keep learning. It's a great show. I'd be letting down fans of Patches Matches if I did not fight to the bone for every scrap of points. That's right. My feeble my feeble attempts at doing trivia on our podcast not good. Quiz Quiz Bang Bang very good. Right. So coming out of uh, the Bang Bang, uh, each team has fifty four. It's like trench warfare fighting over the like tiniest bit of land. So we're all starting at zero for the second half of the show. <laughs> now we're heading into the psalm. Uh, <laughs> from here to eternity, if you will. The best years of our the lives spent on this podcast. Of the 11 of us. Are Ocean's away. 11. The most shameful moment of this episode belongs to me. <laughs> we're only halfway through it. What does it mean? 
All right, here we go. Uh, round three, question nine. What American film production company was co-founded in 1919 by silent film star Charlie Chaplin? This question comes from Trivia Time, our trivia uh, buddy podcast. So thank you, Trivia Time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Ooh, I think thanks, we're Trivia Time. Are you guys doing the UNICEF uh, 24-hour trivia with them? We haven't Ooh. plugged that at all yet. That's true. <laughs> I, that's, you haven't plugged it. I'm plugging it for you. I was like, wait, we haven't plugged this yet. you got to plug that. Yes. If, uh, if you like trivia, we are doing a 24-hour trivia marathon on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash quizbingpod. It will be us with five other trivia podcasts. They're going to be quiz masters from around the world. Uh, we'll have someone from Germany, the UK, and at least three people from Australia Ooh. joining Ooh. us. And we have Sporkle will be there, and there will be prizes. Whoever wins the whole shebang, because we will accumulate points throughout the evening, will get to be on the trivia podcast of their choice. And on top of that, Jackbox Games is sponsoring a thing. So if you want to win a Jackbox party game, that's a prize. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Sporkle Live and, and, and Sporkle Trivia Hunt, where you can win money, uh, is, is sponsoring. So that's, uh, that's the second place prize. And also, well, the point of all this is to get <laughs> <laughs> is to raise money for UNICEF. So UNICEF is giving; um, they are in charge of getting vaccines out to over ninety countries. They are well situated to do that because of the work they've done previously getting vaccines to children. And we want to help them. And even just like. I forget off the top of my head, but I think like $100 buys like 300 syringes or something like that. So let's get some syringes out there and let's get the world vaccinated. That's right. And if you can't come, you can also still donate at justgiving.com. Slash fundraising slash UNICEF trivia. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Consider it plugged. Plugged. Well plugged. Done. Thank you. Yeah, it starts May 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern. Excellent. We will see you guys there. Yeah. Nice. I think we're both all right, set. Yeah, we're mid-answer. Right? <laughs> this is perfect. And now back to the show. So you That's guys are all set. You guys... Yeah, get everyone on tenterhooks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we start with David and Dave? You guys, you guys are all set. Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna go with uh, United Artists as our answer. All right, and Katie and Matt. We are also going to go with United Artists, mm-hmm. revived by Tom Cruise. Is that right? Eventually, did he buy, did them? He buy them? He did. I think he revived them. Scientology Famous films, mm. silent film star. Tom Cruise and Charlie Chaplin. Those guys. What if he bought them with right? his Golden Globes? And now that yeah, he's given them back, Tom Cruise now has zero <laughs> Golden Globes. Down. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, he melted them all. I hope down. the answer is United Artists, or this tangent is, is there worthless. <laughs> you oh, had me at United. <laughs> the correct answer is United Artists. Woo! Question ten: Two of the three highest-grossing animated films of all time are part of the same franchise. What is this franchise? Is this adjusted for inflation? Oh. What? Can you spell? Is this the this national is spelling bee? Spell can I get? Can I get the questions using a sentence? This is important. <laughs> Because that means like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, like gross, like. So let's say it's not. Mm. Okay. It's probably yeah. not. It's I mean, probably not if they are modern films the, and they're the probably Snow not. Snow White and Seven Dwarfs franchise was a <laughs> 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 moneymaker for Disney over the years. 
All right, I think we got an answer. Yeah. Um, okay, I guess we could talk out loud, yes, Katie. Do. We're debating a little bit between Shrek, which is actually huge. I was just talking to the uh, director of Shrek oh, 2 today brag. about uh, yes. yeah, humble brag. I called Conrad Vernon <laughs> on the phone and talked to him about being a gingerbread man and being drowned in a, in a glass of milk. That was my uh, oh god, I just tripped over the name you dropped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but Shrek is huge. Shrek is uh, unfathomably yeah. huge. Uh, but I do think Toy Story, with four movies into the modern era of just like gigantic, gigantic blockbusters, could be a contender. But Shrek, but like, if, was so huge. I know. And like, um, is all the Toy Story money coming from like but global grosses? Now. I know. Shrek is old now. And Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4 are within the last decade. Are big, big, big. I feel like we should go with Shrek, Katie, because it's it's a bit more of a curveball. It's a good trivia answer because you don't want to think about Shrek, but, but you have to because Shrek. it's in the history books. That's the <laughs> thing. All right, let's go with Shrek, and then I'll I'll bear the shame. Or wait, do we have to name the movies or just the no, franchise? It's franchise, right? franchise. Okay, Shrek. We're gonna go I mean, with Shrek. We're not gonna go with either of those. Ooh, what are you gonna go with? Uh, oh no, Frozen. I don't know. With Frozen, we think it's misleading because there are only two of them. Despite the question saying two, I don't think Frozen Two made that much money. But Frozen, I mean Frozen, Frozen One made I think a cool almost a billion dollars. Yeah, the Frozen Two made made like worldwide gross domestic Uh, product. Yeah, actually, this is domestic. Grossing is highest grossing. Yeah, we're going with Frozen. (laughs) Well, good answer, but. I'm going and with Shrek. The correct answer is Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. We didn't even think of Frozen. Only somebody who's recently talked to the director of Shrek 2 would think that Shrek was the answer to this question. I was drunk on Shrek. He was a plant. We Don't get it. Damn. How many times have I listened to the Frozen soundtrack with a three-year-old in my life? Uh, <laughs> Let it go, Patches. And I, ha- I didn't think about it. Oh, I see that. That's a reference. That's a reference to Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Can you make can you make a reference to the Frozen Two song? That's uh, a real deep cut. Uh, it's <laughs> it's okay. That is a reference, but not lyrically. Let it go into the unknown. Into the unknown. Into the unknown. As we it's prepare the for the unknown. next question, so people love it when we sing into the on the show. Is better than into the than Let It Go. Eats whatever that Let It Go's lunchbox every day. <laughs> What does that mean? Not the food in it, just the box. <laughs> what a hot take for like a, a Frozen goat. franchise. That sounded gross. I didn't mean it that way. I just I just meant that it's a better song. I, I was looking this up recently because I was confused why they didn't make a sequel to Moana, with, but Moana only made $600 million. Yeah, it did, it did not, not do that well. Did right, not make $1 billion. Moana rules. Good, yeah. Moana's pretty great. <laughs> there is one thing that says when ingested for inflation, Snow White would likely appear at the top. Right. Right. An adjusted gross of one point eight billion. Wow. Mm. Yeah. But that's from yeah, like all literally like fifty movies. years of theatrical yep. grocers. Yep. Mm. All those old Disney movies were re released over and over and over again, but not franchises. Now they, oh. And they can yeah. remake them now where they're like, Oh, different type of animation. Yeah, no, yeah. now they remake them with real people. And now they they don't have to pay the screenwriters for a second screenplay. Yeah, see. So <laughs> Perfect. it's just a matter of time till Snow White is a franchise just because it's a the great same movie business. over and over again. <laughs> Um, there was a year where they had Snow White and the Huntsman and Mirror Mirror come out the same year. Two that was a great year. That was, Mirror Mirror. Mirror Mirror is wild as hell. <laughs> a great year for Snow White. <laughs> Question 11. The famous lines of green code seen in the Matrix movies aren't really code at all, but are actually derived from what? Uh, one's a blonde, one's a redhead. Yeah. I just see steak. <laughs> 
you see, what is the line? <laughs> I see ones, you see ones and zeros, but I see. I you said adapted it. from what? Derived from Derived what? Derived from what? Oh boy. I think I think I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with the answer that we're coming across. Yeah. I think we're set. Are you All guys right. locking in? So go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're locking. We're not entirely sure what category of thing is right. Here. Are you locked in or not, uh, David? <laughs> Play by the rules. Are you locked in? We're locked in. All right. I feel like I'm really just casting into We're space. doomed on this You're one. Yeah. But unknown, I'm going into the unknown. Right. <laughs> so um, we are, we're weighing like Unicode and binary and computer language. And also I, Sanskrit. <laughs> I think it might be Sanskrit because I feel like it has a, a deeper uh, oh, religious. Oh, like it's like the Wachowskis like adapted some like. I feel like. Yeah, sure. I think me saying that I'm grabbing from here that this is something. I think me saying binary is wrong and trying to stick too much to what it actually is. So, um, yeah, Yeah, I don't think we should be literal here. I feel like Sanskrit, but maybe I'm Mm. picking at the wrong thing about like languages. But derived from it has to be some set of characters, not hieroglyphics. There's no cats in there. I don't have a better idea, so I'm I'm good with Sanskrit. Sanskrit. Yeah, let's do it. We're gonna go with Sanskrit. Complete. Yes, I, I really don't have a good footing here, but I feel like it's something Pat, deep. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that you are confusing the Matrix with uh, the Passion of the Christ. The Passion of the Christ. <laughs> yeah. yes. That was uh, era. Uh, era. Well, I, thought, I thought the story is that Jesus is speaking the code into the computer. It's not a Christ story, but uh, they just didn't tackle it with the same authenticity as our greatest auteur, Mel Gibson. Which Rosetta Stone uh, language is the code in? No, I, I, we'll go with Sam. That's great. Let's go. Let's uh, it, go. It is a Rosetta Stone language. Yeah, we are going with Japanese. Mm, that would be... It's definitely anime influence, so there you go. And as David pointed out, runs from top to bottom. I was about to say, yeah, scrolling I mean, vertically. Literature is, is written in vertical streams like that, so... Yep. Mm, yes, that would make sense. <laughs> Not a bad guess. Oh, good. Sounds okay. like we're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is sushi recipes. Yeah, a designer wow. is said to have scanned symbols from his wife Sushi's cookbooks and manipulated them to get it to look like codes. Wow, his wife's sushi cookbooks, not his wife Sushi's cookbooks. <laughs> so David and Dave were close, although the Dave's were closer. Maybe most sushi recipes are written in Sanskrit. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know a whole lot I've never about seen a whole this lot, but the, the big book of Sanskrit recipes. <laughs> <laughs> the joy of Sanskrit. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's either you know it or you don't. That's yeah, that's here, that's so. great trivia though. <laughs> Question twelve: What AI replaces Jarvis in the MCU? <laughs> Back to the MCU well. Here yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, hold on. Oh, boy. <laughs> Dave, are you consulting the uh, writing in your book? The Joy of Sanskrit. <laughs> the manuscript. We do have an interview with this particular lady who said in her particular accent, uh, we were like, what did you think when, uh, you know, you saw the ending of Endgame? And she said, uh, oh, the, there goes my meal ticket. Oh, wow. But, you know, uh, do I know the the name of the system because it also has an acronym? That's what I'm stalling to, like, figure out. Jarvis is an acronym. Is Jar- <laughs> what is Jarvis an acronym for, Dave? J- just another virtual 
something assistant, I think. I don't know. No, that's 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 sort of just dumb. Assistant is an A. It's uh, just a rather very intelligent system. There we go. Oh, wow. There we go. <laughs> I, I read that. I don't know. That. <laughs> Dave, if they get this and you don't, I'm going to have serious yeah, yeah, concerns yeah, to your yeah, publisher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 I got it. Okay. Uh, we're, we're locked in. You do? You're all set. Oh, crap. Just had to threaten to... Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, you just had to threaten. You just, I had to stall. I had to hear the accent in my head. I had to hear the, oh, that's my meal ticket in my head. Now I got it. <laughs> all right, all right, Patches. So this, it shows up at the end of Endgame. When does no, this robot... No, it's, it's earlier. So once, once um, Jarvis becomes Vision, yeah. Tony Stark needs to get a new AI. And it's voiced by, if I recall, Jennifer Connelly, because it's an in-joke. Who is Paul Bettany's wife? Really? Oh, Dave says we're wrong. Oh boy, she does do a suit voice, but not Iron Man suit voice. Oh, she's she's uh, Gwen Paltrow's oh, yeah. suit voice. No, but that's not who. Th- oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> Is she Spider Man suit voice? Okay, she's Tom Holland. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Anyway, so we don't know this, Katie. Uh, I, I guess Larvis or Barvis. Just it's Barvis. not Barvis. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it would be like. Larvis, Lady Jarvis, or something. Um, you said, <laughs> I'm not going to say Larvis. I feel like, and I don't want to kiss up here. I feel like it's Annie. <laughs> I do write only questions about myself. That's right. <laughs> Katie, should we go with My Annie? My newly born niece is named Annie, so maybe, uh, maybe we'll just yeah, we're, we're humble humble brag, I have a niece. Pray to the gods. <laughs> Right to the gods. They're, they're trying to do the uh, Slumdog Millionaire route. <laughs> <laughs> Tell stories about our lives to get uh-huh. to the answer. <laughs> All right, uh, David and Dave, what did you guys put? Uh, it's uh, Tony Stark Needs His Girl Friday. Friday. It's the name of the system. And the correct answer is Friday. Wow. wow. Redeemed. Tony Stark loves classic film. <laughs> yeah, he does. Who is the voice? Uh, Karen something something. I can't Google things. Okay, so, so she's I not help you. not a like not a famous voice cameo. No, she just. I was about to say, why would I think that you got Jennifer Connelly for your book? No offense to your book. Wow, wow. drag that book. You don't know that I don't have Jennifer Connelly for my book. <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly a well-researched book. From someone who knows what they're talking about. Matt Patches. <laughs> no piercing his heart. I'm glad that you redeemed yourself in the Marvel arena. We do not have Martin. We don't, we don't have Martin Freeman, I guess I've given away now. But <laughs> otherwise, we don't know who I have. <laughs> <laughs> Everett Ross himself. Everett Ross. All right, David. At the end of round three, where are we? At the end of round three, Operation Kino has 64 points. And we're thinking of ending... Katie and Patches has <laughs> 84. Separation in that round. Man, we yeah. really slipped this I round. Guess that's, just, that's just two We're questions. That's just two questions. Our general demeanor. We're like Team Iceland in the Mighty Six. It's a comeback story. We're Team Iceland in Eurovision. Uh, <laughs> we're going to come from behind at the end. Round four, question 13. In the movie Get Out, where does Missy say the host's consciousness remains after the brain transplant? Okay, I think we got it. Uh, I mean, I feel like, yeah, no, no, I feel like I'm right. I feel like that's the right answer. She might use a different term for what I'm talking about, but I think I'm right. David mm. and Dave are locked in. Operation Kino, you guys can talk out loud. I went with the obvious and said 
uh, sunken place, but Katie is on the better track. I said eyes. We're going very metaphorical and very literal, but I'm just thinking about like the characters who kind of like break out of the like robot headspace, like like Keith Stanfield and like his eyes. Like I feel like they almost like flash. Like they don't turn a different color, but I feel like there's some kind of effect with his eyes in that scene. Yeah, I think we should go in your direction. Okay, let's go. Let's go with eyes. Operation Keto going with eyes. Davis shaking his head. W T E K P. So much easier to say. Did we overthink this one? Wait, D- Dave. I. What's our certainty level on our answer? What you what? can't change. No, we're, not change. we're not changing it. I'm just asking for the good of the listeners. Because... I feel very good okay. that while she's talking about you're going to remain here while somebody takes like the driver's seat, she is describing a place she calls the sunken place. That is our oh. answer. Oh, huh. Well, crap. The correct answer is. The sunken place. Yeah. Um, we overthought, we overthought that one. it. Damn! <laughs> Slipping further and further behind. Sorry, that was on me. The camera flash is what triggers people through the eyes. So you got to flash uh, in with the camera, and then that deprograms them. Right. All right. Okay. I remember the light flashing in Lakeith Stanfield's yeah, no, eyes. Was that wasn't close. totally crazy. If we were on a team, I would have helped you. But it was just- <laughs> Katie, this one is on you. But every right answer from the first two rounds is also on you. There you go. I don't yeah. want you to feel All bad. the blame, all the credit. Question 14. Which actor was the first male to appear on the cover of Playboy magazine? In April 1964. Whoa. Mm. I think I think we're oh locked in. Wow. Katie? I, f- I feel uncomfortable taking the lead on answers after my uh, recent performance. But <sighs> No, Katie is actually a Playboy expert here. And, um, <laughs> she owns all the old issues. Now, for just for the articles, of course. Didn't you write for Playboy at some point? Because it's, uh, it's relaunched itself as like legit culture magazine a few times. Well... I probably relaunched after I wrote for them, but yes, I wrote for Playboy. <laughs> I wrote a great article about the director Martin Brest, which you have to now go to frickin' Internet Archive to read. All right. You wrote about Martin Brest for Playboy? Sure. <laughs> I yeah. did. I wrote about my search for Beverly Hills Cop director Martin Brest. Jiggly? Uh, Jiggly. Director. Jiggly? Jiggly? Jigglypuff director <laughs> Martin Brest. So all you right. guys are all set? I think we're all set. We're all set. David and Dave. We're, we're giving, we're vamping for David and Dave's sake. Dave suggested <laughs> Kirk Douglas. Dave, why do you think Kirk Douglas? Because he's a billion he years old. Like, uh, he would be creepy enough to be like in on the Playboy thing and somebody would be like, why not just put you on this stuff? But I don't know if he's like young enough to be attractive at that point. Doesn't sound like a creepy move necessarily. They're trying <laughs> to broaden their horizons, you know? They're not just for wags and lads or whatever the, whatever they say. Uh, <laughs> not just um, for wags. Wags and stags. Yeah. Yeah. Wags and lads. <laughs> That's the UK version. Bums and birds. Uh, yeah. uh, you also suggested Rock Hudson, who I don't think... Although Rock Hudson was very big at the time. I, I don't know. Someone was famous in 1964. Someone certainly was famous in 1964. We wanted to see them naked. I definitely thought Frank Sinatra again. (laughs) Frank Sinatra Redemption. Frank Sinatra would definitely be in Playboy. He's definitely written about in Playboy. I gotta say, if uh, Playboy had a From Here to Eternity cover, (laughs) I would definitely be curious what they mean. I think it was From Here to Eternity. (laughs) (laughs) The best rares of our lives. 
is oh now the Rat Pack the best rears is Julio Iglesias uh, actor like I don't know I'm trying yeah, to just they think of like start with Julio Iglesias Enrique Iglesias uh, I don't know man they were, they were very white and cookie cutter even this for... is this is before my uh, pornography time you know yeah. <laughs> this is before you were born <laughs> this was actually in my sexual peak uh, 20, yeah. 20 years before I was born it's been all downhill since then <laughs> I mean of the answers you put forward i i like kirk douglas the best but kirk douglas was okay so paths of glory was 1956 yeah playboy was chasing that paths yeah, of glory that, no but i just mojo. Yeah, imagine like, how old kirk douglas was i think he probably would have aged out of being a george clooney like in 1964 Kirk Douglas died at like at 312 last year over 100 <laughs> yeah like yeah very recently I'm gonna stay mom and let you figure this out wait 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 it's the cover <laughs> it's the cover of Playboy yeah right yeah Th- correct, correct. This, this dude isn't naked Elvis this dude isn't naked of course I'm, he's I'm not naked to- I'm trying to think of people. Okay, no, no, no. Think of somebody who's like. Dave's just been thinking of naked men this whole time. (laughs) Guilty as charged. I keep thinking because it's Playboy, it's pornography, but it's not. It's cultural relevance. It's cultural relevance. Uh, Elvis, comedians. Nothing says sex like comedians. Rodney Dangerfield, put him on the front. You know. A guy being like, and holding up some boobs that have like spirals on it. That sounds like a 60s cover. Do you think Playboy is Porky's the movie as a magazine? What is this? What do you think Playboy is? You know, it's a dude in a suit standing next to somebody who's scantily glad and we're thinking about it all wrong. It's not they even could an attractive be mind person. fucking us with Frank Sinatra from the earlier round. Wow, what do you think of these people? <laughs> Elvis was. How famous was Elvis in 1964? Um, I don't, but Elvis wasn't on the cover of Playboy. I, w- I would have seen that. David's going with Everett Ross. Uh, is it somebody in Doctor Strangelove? Because this is an inside thing. What about who's the, who plays the crag-faced uh, pro-war guy in uh, in Doctor Strangelove? Who kind of looks like young Kirk Douglas? That is God. I know that actor so well. Um, the one who isn't Peter Sellers. Uh, it's oh, not... like fuck. What if it's just Peter Sellers? No, I, it's not Peter Sellers. <laughs> <laughs> He's a comedian. He's like kind of, he's Peter Sellers. I feel so born in 1984 right now. Um, this is, <laughs> this is um, which is what a terrible age to be bored right now because I'm too young for this, but too old for no, everything No, no, David, if you've learned anything about trivia, it's don't cast a wide net. These questions are written specifically for entertainment purposes. Why not guess Peter Sellers? When have we talked about Kirk Douglas ever? Okay. Kirk Douglas, Rock Hudson, both okay guesses. Peter Sellers out of left field, just because I can't think of the name of Cragface gentleman. This is going to be like a dude chomping on a cigar in like a full tuxedo next to a scantily clad woman. It's not like he's not the sexual object of this thing because Patches is right. Let's go with Sinatra. <laughs> okay, fine. Do it. Right, Sinatra. That was a journey. We got Sinatra from David and Dave, Operation Kino. Fuck you, Sinatra. What did you guys? You. Well, it's funny you said a man in a tuxedo sitting next to a scantily clad know, woman because was... we said Sean Connery. Oh, Ooh. that's such a good guess. That's that is right. such a good guess. I don't know if it's right. Praying for correct. I mean, Dr. No just came out in 1962. And the correct answer is Peter Sellers. Oh, oh my God! God! <laughs> oh, no! No! Oh. <laughs> you got us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 
I talked my way into the trick question rabbit hole, but it was too far. It was too far down the rabbit hole. When you were saying, think about it, it's an entertainment show. I thought you were going to go toward they're doing it for us, but then you were going to do it for a mass audience. (laughs) (laughs) Meltdowns in the war room. Oh my God. That was incredible. That was incredible. (laughs) Just good old podcasting. Going on to question 15. In a bit of an odd fork in the pre-production road, Steven Spielberg was going to produce John Sayles' Night Skies script about a rural family invaded by aliens that could kill with the touch of a finger, but decided to go more family-friendly route with the story. Which two films, both with material based on Sayles' Night Skies script, did Spielberg end up having a hand in directing and writing, respectively? I think we're set. Alrighty, David and Dave are set with theirs. Uh, Matt and Katie, what are you thinking? Do we? Am I overthinking it? How are you overthinking it? Tell me how you're. Tell me how you're overthinking the, it. The having a hand in directing and writing feels like a very specific part of a clue. And what we both thought of was E.T. and Close Encounters. Close Encounters, both of which he directed. And I just well, can't. He, but I, so Close Encounters is one of the only movies that Steven Spielberg has written. Got it. And he did not write the script for E.T. What's her name? Melissa Matheson. Matheson. Yeah, that's a Melissa Matheson. Yeah, joint. and I just can't think of what else. Like I'm, th- I'm trying to think about like Poltergeist, which it's not the one that he like no. shadow directed Poltergeist. Yes. Yeah, I'm I mean, yes, about? but yeah, that but obviously like, is not to relevant to what this movie is. So yeah, I think I think it's just E.T. and Close Encounters. And then Night Skies, of course, became the sequel to E.T. that never got made. That's a yeah, fun fact. Yeah, horrible aliens that kidnapped Elliot. That's a great, there's great concept <laughs> art of evil E.T. aliens out there. Uh, yeah, I think we should go with E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. All right. Uh, David and Dave, what do you guys think? We have the same answer. The correct answer is E.T. and Poltergeist. <gasps> oh! Midwestern family being terrorized. That's yeah. Attacked. Damn it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he gets a writer's writing credit on that. Well, I was going to say what was throwing me was that Close Encounters was 77. It feels like it was probably too early yeah. for this. Yeah, Night Skies was written as a sequel to Close Encounters. Yeah. Uh, oh. And it was just a little too hard in the paint. So Spielberg was like, let's turn this into E.T., but I still like the idea of the script. Let's uh, develop it for Poltergeist. And so he's got a little bit of a writing John credit. John Sayles, an amazing... Amazing director, too, I think, but amazing writer for just like he goes too hard. He wrote Night Skies, too, like just too grotesque and too horrifying to be a sequel to Close Encounters. And then he writes Jurassic Park 4, which has genetically engineered raptor soldiers. And Spielberg's like, ah, nah, I don't think we'll do that one. Um, so awesome. Yeah, and then, then punt that one to uh, Colin Trevorrow. Amazing. But wow, that's a great fact. I don't think I knew Poltergeist was born from the and I the didn't aliens, I didn't know he uh, had a writing credit on it. I thought his stuff was all like producer and uncredited director because uh, they both came out in eighty two and he couldn't direct both, so he he just helped develop the screenplay. Uh, so he gets a credit for that, and then he basically ended up directing both. Yeah, yeah. sad when yeah. your yeah. when your Patsy is like Tobe Hooper has made great movies. So. <laughs> that's right. All right, last question of the regular round, uh, question 16. In the movie The Wedding Singer, when Adam Sandler is breaking up with his girlfriend, he asks her to take off the T-shirt with what band on it before she jinxes them and they break up? <laughs> movie that takes place in a very 
specific era. Yeah. All right. I think, Katie, if you feel good. Um, I mean, it's sort of a guess, but it's, you know, I, I, saw, I saw that movie many a time in my youth. So maybe I know mm-hmm. it. I just don't realize Does I know it. Does our answer pop enough? Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Do you know we're, any we're of their songs? In. We're all in. Uh, <laughs> all right. Just enough to be confused, if that's what you mean. <laughs> Operation Kino is, uh, is set. David and Dave, you yeah. can think out loud. Yeah, this is a, a great American film. I think we're going to... I think I think I'm going to say, David, that we should I go with Van right. Halen, because they're always yeah. breaking up slash not breaking up, and it's very yeah. precarious time in the 80s. The movie takes place in the 80s. Yeah. It would seem like if you're a rock fan, you're going to like Van Halen. And why would you want them cursed like the Beatles? Now, for bonus points, can we sing all of the lyrics of the song that Adam Sandler writes half when he's with his girlfriend and half after they break I up? Go. <laughs> yes, I would give you bonus points for that. <laughs> but you have to sing them all. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, Van Halen. Why not? Alrighty, you guys going with Van Halen, Operation Kino. What do you guys think it was? We said Van Halen, partly because of the breakup thing and partly because I think my lizard brain can just picture the shirt she's wearing in that scene. (laughs) (laughs) The correct answer, he says, will you please take off my Van Halen shirt before you jinx the band and they break up? Yay. Well, Katie loves God. Frank Karachi films, so no me, please. I want to die. <laughs> Put a bullet in my head. Yeah. Best supporting actor nominee, John Lovitz. Why didn't he sing that in an uncut gems? <laughs> <laughs> He's losing his mind, and I'm going to reap all the best. <laughs> all right, Annie, what's our scores coming out of the regular rounds? Coming out of the regular rounds, we have Operation Kino with 74 points, and we're thinking of ending Katie and Patches with 104. Oh, wow. I didn't realize we fell so much further behind. <laughs> you miss a question or two, you're behind. Oh, well. <sighs> we could come back here. And that's it for the regular rounds, and that means it's time for the Big Bang round. We are going to ask for wagers from both teams. They can bet up to the amount of points they have, anything in between that and zero. And... We will ask them three questions, the answers of which are all clues to the final question. And for this one, they are all in the category of film. And the wagers are in. Clue question one. In 2009, who became the only actress to date to have a film marketed with her name solely above the title? Meaning... It was based on star power alone and not a franchise or a tentpole picture to pass the $200 million mark in domestic gross. But to clarify, this film was based off a book that was based off of real people. Question two. What role did Ian McKellen refuse to take because the actor who played the role until his passing thought Ian McKellen was, quote, technically brilliant, but passionless. So Sir Ian McKellen explained, I couldn't take over the part from an actor who I had known didn't approve of me. (laughs) Pretty good. That's good. Thank you. (laughs) Question three. Lasting between 1930 and 1969, and symbolically starting with the film, Let's Go with Pancho Villa, 
What is this era of film called? And for your Big Bang question, who was the first person in Oscar history to be nominated for the Academy Awards for both Best Director and Best Cinematographer in the same year and for the same film? Who was the first person in Oscar history to be nominated for the Academy Awards for both Best Director and Best Cinematographer in the same year and for the same film? This is a mighty question. <laughs> this is good. I think we're Katie. Yeah, I, I think, think we're, I think we're right. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel okay. What? <laughs> feel good. I don't know. We're losing. What do we have to lose? <laughs> what do we have to lose? This true. The whole game. Either I guess. we, we either we just to continue to lose, or we have a triumphant comeback. We're we're, we're not feeling super confident about our answer because we're struggling to figure out how it ties into some of the, the, clue, the, questions. the clue questions. Matt and Katie, are you guys all set? Yeah, I think we are. I think so. I think we're good. All right. So David and Dave, why don't you just talk about everything you're thinking? All right, so, I'm going to do poker face here. I don't want to give mm-hmm, you any room. So just to talk through the clues, you know, we have Sandra Bullock in the blind side. We have what our best guess was the golden age of Hollywood. Um, and, uh, we have, uh, I guess the second question was, uh, talking about Michael Gambon in, uh, you know, Dumbledore was the character. Oh, but it was um, transitioned in Quran's movie. It would be the connection there. Yeah. Uh, so quite the Pancho Villa, feel, you know, Mexico is a connection between Alfonso Coron and, and Pancho Villa. Sandra Bullock was in gravity. Of course it's Coron. Done. It's gotta be. Ah, oh, oh, there we go. I was thinking like, like he adopts, a, she adopts a football player, like in Roma, it's about a caregiver or some shit, but I'm like, still not, what's the, I'm sure if we, we try and think this through with Dumbledore, because he directed the fucking third Harry yeah, Potter yeah, the movie. Third, yeah, yeah, the third, when the transition happened yeah, between yeah, yeah, those yeah, actors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's go with it. I'm feeling better. Yeah. You talked it yeah. out. I'm, we're good. It's Alfonso Cuarón. Except the, 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 like, Mexican connection, but you're right. I, Listen. I don't know. I don't have a better answer. <laughs> Doing the best I can here. I don't have a better answer. All right. We'll go over the answers now, and you guys can uh, tell us how you got there. Yes. So, question one. What is the movie that came out in 2009 with a female star being solely above the title? Uh, David and Dave, what were you thinking? The Blind Side. And Katie and Matt. We also had The Blind Side. I was thinking Avatar, though. Uh, Nefertiti. Or... No, he just said Navi. Yeah. <laughs> Which Navi got sole credit on Avatar? Well, my mind went initially to Salt. Uh, salt with Angelina Jolie, but... That's what you thought. I, I said that when she asked me. But yeah. I don't and I was like, salt was Salt based, based on, on a real book person, yeah. that was based yeah. on spine? <laughs> no, salt, the trivia about Salt is that Salt was written for Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. About Tom Cruise yeah, is going to yeah. play mm-hmm. Salt. Yeah, and then she salt? got the gender Who swap. Who is Salt? Who is Evelyn Salt? Who Eva, is Everett salt? Ross. Who is Who Everett is Ross? Ross? <laughs> In Ross. <laughs> <laughs> The correct answer is Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side. Question two. What role did Ian McKellen refuse to take because the actor who played the role until his passing thought he was technically brilliant but passionless? Operation Kino, what would you guys think? We figured it had to be Dumbledore. Even though it seems crazy that they would ask him to play Dumbledore when he was already playing Gandalf at the same time. (laughs) David, what would you guys think? We're also going to go with Dumbledore. 
Yeah. So first of all, I guess Richard Harris also like trash talk Kenneth Branagh, like just a bunch of people. He's just like, <laughs> awesome. these are the people who are passionless. Yeah. And, uh, and then I guess when Ian McKellen got cast as Gandalf, he threw a little shade at Richard Harris. He's been like, I am the ultimate wizard. Like he's like, he said something about being like the better wizard or like, I don't know. <laughs> so, oh man. They had wizard beef. Is that what you're saying? They, yeah. they had yeah. serious wizard beef. Yeah. They, they needed to duel. Those old school British actors did not give a shit. They would just drink a ton and uh, insult each other in the press. <laughs> uh, correct answer is Dumbledore. Question three, lasting between 1930 and 1969 and symbolically starting with the film, let's go with Pancho Villa. What is this era of film called? David and Dave, what did you think? We had the golden age, golden age of Hollywood. And Katie and Matt. We did too and didn't feel good about it. And now (laughs) I'm just now wondering if it's the studio era, but that still doesn't help me with our overall clues. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm very curious. This one was hard. This is the golden age of Mexico cinema. Oh. oh. Not Hollywood, but Fascinated. Uh, of Mexico we should get out cinema. of our bubble. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, who was the first person in Oscar history to be nominated for the Academy Awards for both Best Director and Best Cinematographer in the same year and for the same film? David and Dave, what would you guys think? Alfonso Cuaron. And how did you get to that? Uh, we're going to say Bull- Sandra Bullock in Gravity. Um, the Dumbledore switch between Harris and Gambone happened in The Prisoner of Azkaban, which is his Harry Potter directed one. And uh, the golden age of Mexican cinema, he is a Mexican director. And Operation Kino, what do you guys think and how did you get there? We're with you guys. We said Afonso we had the identical thought process. It was for Roma. I can add that, that I know he shot Roma. Uh, and I think he is, he was the first, first time cinematographer, like the first movie he'd been credited on to win Best Cinematography until, until the Mank. cinematographer for Mank. Um, <laughs> Eric Meisterscher. I definitely Mank. wondered for a second if he directed <laughs> Elizabeth the Golden Age, and that was how no. we got there, but I did not think he directed that, so I was, I was stumped on that one. The answer... The Mexican director, having directed Sandra Bullock in Gravity and Harry Potter film, it is Alfonso Cuaron. Good job, everyone. Woo. Well, we still lost. (laughs) Maybe they went conservative. Who knows? Oh, that's true. Maybe. Operation Kino wagered 64 points. And they end up with 138. Formidable. We are thinking of ending Katie and Patches risked 45 points ending with 149, making them <laughs> your winner. Did you guys do some Jeopardy math? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was exactly correct, but we, we got it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we all kept up with each other. I'm glad it was neck yeah, and neck. It was, it was. Neck. Yeah. That was really good. And the amount of stuff you guys know is really it's impressive. Yeah. So oh, my God. We are, we are in awe of you. Yeah, well done, everybody. Aw. You did a great job. I, I thought these were uh, really hard. <laughs> I know. We'll have to go. If we if you guys ever want to come back, we'll have to go harder. Or just ask <laughs> you character questions. I, I'd ask be curious. Ask us like, current events questions, and then we'll <laughs> fall on our faces. <laughs> Who <laughs> is the secretary of the press? <laughs> Name three countries that are not the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's 
get it from you guys. Where can everybody find Fighting in the War Room? And, you know, plug your uh, personal stuff again. Why not? So, again, uh, Matt Patches here. I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. I'm actually active on a social media platform. Good for me. Uh, I'm over at Polygon.com, where I'm covering movies and entertainment things all the time. You should definitely go read Polygon.com. And, um, obviously, you can follow Fighting in the War Room at F-I-T-W-R if you're on the Twitters or FightingInTheWarRoom.com. You can listen to episodes there or on your podcast app of choice. I should also plug Galaxy Brain the other podcast i'm producing right now it's a hoot yeah we're all over the place dave what about you i am on twitter at da7e i'm on the storm lost rewatch podcast can be found wherever you find fantastic podcasts like this one you're listening to now and i uh, will be on your bookshelves in 2022 with a history of marvel the biography of everett ross <laughs> a biography of everett ross there's a whole chapter about everett ross for sure there it is now uh david uh, yeah, I'm David Ehrlich. Uh, I'm the senior film critic for IndieWire. You can find me on my couch watching the best years of our lives on repeat <laughs> to its own for my sins. Uh, and uh, I guess I'm looking at the Peter Sellers Playboy. For the articles only. Uh, Just the cover. Just the cover. Um, And uh, really, a few things in life have ever given me as much pleasure as beating Matt Patches and Katie Rich in movie trivia for a good cause. Not that that isn't a good cause unto itself, but an additional good cause to uh, provide vaccines to people around the world even better. Uh, I'm Katie Rich, and uh, I am on this podcast and on the Little Gold Men podcast that I mentioned earlier. Um, last week's episode, as we record this, was our 2022 Oscar predictions episode. So if you want kind of a glimpse at all the movies that are coming out in the year ahead, that it might be a fun What's one gonna to listen to. What's going to win Best Picture uh, in let's 2022? See. Well, the, the predictions part of it is a little kind of jokey, because who knows? But I went with <laughs> the eyes of Tammy Faye as a uh, proud uh, South Carolina native. I want to see Jim Baker and Tammy Faye Baker uh, go yeah, all the way. Michael Showalter. Michael Showalter. Yeah, Michael Showalter. He's ready. Yeah, uh, this is going to be the thing that breaks now. Netflix's curse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, okay. this, I, I think it's a searchlight movie, actually. No. Um, the, the smart money's on In the Heights, but, you know, the year is young. Seeing it tomorrow morning. Uh, that's it, right? Because they just plugged all the fighting in the war room stuff. Yeah, don't you guys do something? Yeah, well, again, we're doing a UNICEF fundraiser on May 21st, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's going to be us with 23 other quizmasters from around the world and other podcasts, and there will be lots of fun prizes, and all you have to do is donate to UNICEF. 100% of the funds that we raise are going straight to UNICEF, so just go to what website, David? Justgiving.com slash fundraising slash UNICEF Trivia, U-N-I-C-E-F Trivia. You can donate anytime. You don't have to wait for the event, which is on May 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, running until May 22nd, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, You can go to that website and donate whenever you want between now and then or in perpetuity, maybe. I don't know. We'll we'll just keep it going. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Get Get them syringes out. And uh, it's it's going to be a ton of fun. There's all kinds of different trivia that uh, you'll see, uh, different styles. And we've got an MCU round, Dave. Uh, we have... The Office. We have board office. games. We have video games. We have the 90s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, weird, weird stuff uh one of them's gonna do weird like, stuff you know, weird, weird, weird stuff trivia i don't know if that's like uh cryptids and um 
mythology in, in Fordiana or not, but uh, it's it's probably going to be along those lines. Peter Sellers on the cover of a Playboy. It's going to be, yeah, <laughs> Weird stuff. No, no, it's, it's like a, the Chupacabra was based off the alien and species because a uh, Puerto Rican woman saw species and then reported the Chupacabra. That's true. That is true. That is weird. Uh, that is weird stuff. I love me some cryptids. Oh my gosh, David does another podcast called Blurry Yeah, plug your other podcast, about, David. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find Quiz Quiz Bang Bang on all your podcast platforms and on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. All that stuff. And it's all at quizbangpod.com. And what's your cryptid uh, podcast, David? Well, I've been doing a, a, a paranormal podcast called Blurry Photos since 2012. And... Um, I cover all kinds of uh, weird stuff like conspiracies, cryptids, uh, mysteries and histories, uh, ghosts, uh, and just uh, uh, strange stories, uh, really. And it's a lot of fun. Try to take a skeptical look at it and and do some good storytelling. There you go. That's us. <laughs> That's the <laughs> thank podcast. You guys for, uh, <laughs> thank uh, you. On here is a ton of fun. Yeah, thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. For this episode of Quiz Quiz Bang Bang, I've been David Flora. I've been Annie Flora. Here's looking at you, Quiz. It's going to be the Harry Potter and the Cursed Adult by the time you guys are done here. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot to uh, wash my hands. David is the first Quiz Quiz Bang Bang contestant to melt on microphone.